0: Hey everyone, this is Christy, Soul Magazine's assistant editor, and welcome to a very special Sunday brunch in the Spray Room from the Brooklyn Firefly in Bay Ridge. This is our podcast where we talk to some of the best and brightest artists working on the streets today. For our daily online content, check us out on soulmagny.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at SoulMag. And In the Spray Room can now be found on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, google podcasts and through amazon alexa today's crew consists of myself bike girl hello and brooklyn's own big ronnie
1: the force is strongest in bay ridge
0: (laughs) (laughs) before we introduce today's very special guest big ronnie tell us what's going on there's a lot
1: going on we're out here we're eating at brooklyn firefly i just had a breakfast calzone and had eggs and cheese and bacon and pepperoni and it was really yummy, and Tony Loud, uh, you know, I thought he was going to dive into it at the end, but he said it was a lot of cheese, and uh, so we had a good time, had a great brunch here, we're looking forward to our first of several events here at the Brooklyn Firefly. Uh, can't wait to talk to Mr. Caves, he's sitting down with us right now, we're super excited to uh, to be in the house. How are you, brother?
2: Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, yo, nice running to say. Now,
1: the, <laughs> th- the first time I met you was the opening here. When uh, Everlast did a couple of songs, Josh Kaufman invited me down, and uh, we had a nice time. That was some uh, intro to the neighborhood, huh? Hey,
2: can you believe it's almost three years in November? Three? Yeah, three years. Wow. Something like time, time is flying. That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now
1: I was I was really excited to sit down with you because uh, obviously the the art and the tattoos is you know what we're talking about. But you cross over in in areas and ways that a lot of artists want to. Your your entrepreneurship, near right. serial entrepreneurship at this point. Right. How, how many businesses have you started?
2: Man, I mean, we were looking. We were looking the other day. I've had four brick and mortar stores. Um, you know, uh, apparel lines. Um, you know, besides the band, right? Like of course, no, seven seven or eight record deals, major record deals. Um, yeah, it's a law. It's like, like, you said, like three years pass by quick. Thirty something years pass by even quicker. You know what I mean? Since I picked up a spray can, it's it's uh, it's been a pretty wild ride.
1: Now, a lot of people who, uh, you know, get to some level of a success and then they start a business, Christy, They don't want to work harder. This guy's latest business this, this business that we're sitting in right here is a lot of hard work mm-hmm. it's, it's, and, it, and it's his family it's not just strangers off the street that, that that run this place with you right
2: yeah no it's all families from my, my sister Chrissy running you know holding it down uh, managing my wife Donna in the on the back end any given time my brother Adam might be back there making pizza or uh, my son blaze Blaze is going to culinary school now he's almost finished, he's about a month away from finishing and the idea was was to give him I couldn't give him a million bucks right i just can give him like work ethic and say okay you want to you want to do this let's try to put together a restaurant and keep the family together cuz i mean years ago and I'm, since i'm a little kid sundays was always you know my mo- mother you know kept the tradition of the sunday dinner the sunday sauce and to keep your family connected instead of on their devices we felt like we needed to bring you know everybody together and And the restaurant was, you know, a crazy idea to do. But as an artist, you don't want to be a starving artist. So, you you know, you might as well build yourself a restaurant. At least you keep some pizza in your belly. You know what (laughs) I mean? So, yeah. Well, can you
0: tell us about um, the importance of Bay Ridge and the community and family atmosphere? And is it like a neighborhood that you would say in Brooklyn that's still... So authentically Brooklyn, because you've seen so much change go on throughout the rest of the borough of Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Bay Ridge, you know, we've, we've laid our roots down here. My grandparents were here. My great-grandparents were here. Um, you know, it's been a, a bunch of generations of, of Bay Ridge, but Brooklyn is has always been this kind of like... Melt- Going through changes? Yeah, it's always, always. gone through changes. It's always been a melting pot. It's mm-hmm. like... I. I say that the neighbor never changes. You do, you know. So, um, I think I think it's cool that new immigrants come in, and 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 you know, a couple of years into it, they got the Brooklyn attitude and mm-hmm. the Brooklyn, you know, the 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 Brooklyn lingo down, mm-hmm. and, and they take part of building this 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 fabric that's ever changing and, and keeps it unique. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps Brooklyn unique is right. because of this has always been in this square footage mm-hmm. we had to get along you know so it didn't matter what you know culture like we we made our culture from different mm-hmm. cultures it's always been right kind of a melting america. pot that's america my, right? yeah. i went to right.
1: grade school ps105 on fort now on the parkway right right 59th street right my kindergarten class looked like the united nations from this neighborhood because there yes. was there was there was no boss saying everybody was local to the neighborhood it was your zone schools here in new York City. Yeah. And it was it was everybody under the sun, and I think this neighborhood has always been blue collar. It was it was never bougie. It was always the uh, you know the weekend, the Thursday night, the Friday night spot to go for a drink or take a girl out, yeah. or, you know, meet some friends, uh, you know, down at uh, you know any of the fifty restaurants that are worth it. Um, but you know every every culture every uh, nationality claims culture as their own but Italians make it about the food, don't we?
2: Right, of course, of course. I mean, my, uh, my, my grandmother, uh, rest her soul, uh, Marie, was part of the Quattrone Sisters in Bay Ridge. They were singers and dancers and definitely cooks, you know what I mean? And, and we try to carry on that tradition. And, you know, that's where we got the, the bug when we were children. My, my grandmother on 86th Street here mm-hmm. uh, in 5th near Pizza Wagon, there used to be a Woolworths there. Yep. And in that Woolworths you could record your own uh music so you could actually get a little vinyl made up in Woolworths. So her claim to fame was like one of it was like she got the uh the song Soldier Boy stolen from her, you know, that's what she always told me as a kid. I, would get out of I was here. like, All right na- all right nanny, you know we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll get our revenge, you know what I mean? And, and uh and yeah, like they lived on top of hinches for thirty something years. And um You know, Bay Ridge has always been this working class neighbor with a little sizzle, right? A little Saturday night fever, a little bit of uh, the bars and pizzerias. And and, um, it's always kept um, the electric, you know, the energy's been here. But then it's it's a quiet, it's a sleepy place, too, because it's on the local, on the double R or the R train. and, And it takes a minute to get to. So maybe it hasn't been explored as much as, you know, the other outer, you know, parts of the neighborhood's. But that's what keeps it kind of cool because we're kind of like the best kept secret. Yeah. Now we like, skipped over it a yeah. little bit yeah. for
1: our out of towner listeners. The dub the R train, as you know it today, used to be called the RR, the double R. Right. The double R. Yeah. It, that's the original. When the R train came out, it was a double R. Yeah. RR. Right. I think it was the only double letter that I've seen, but that's what it used to be called yep. for our millennial listeners. RR. I promise.
2: Train? It was no, no. It was train. It
1: was RR on the front. Yeah. It was train. two R's. No BS.
0: So you mentioned so something like about CCs, uh, the catching the bug. I want to know how you caught the graffiti bug.
2: Oh. Um,
0: and the BMT train lines. If you can talk about. A yeah, little bit yeah.
2: About I that. mean, that's that's where it all that's that's where it's all conceived from. Like, my mother my mother moved back to like she popped she moved around a little bit when we were, we were kids, and. Around like nine, ten years old, we moved back into to Bay Ridge, 92nd Street, where she grew up. 92nd Street, she was known as Little 92nd Street because they lived around PS 104. And luckily enough, as fate has it, is that that block was Gelston Avenue and 92nd, had a, a crew of kids there, um, and this is 1979, 1980, that were known as the TBR crew. And the TBR crew. Um, was old was the older kids that that were were graffiti graffiti writers, graffiti bombers, like taggers, right? And luckily, like we landed in that little apartment building, and across the street, you know, we had RS three, you had his little his little brother, sir, and you had a group of these kids that were like going in on the BMTs, um, and because I had an artistic flair and and, and passion, I was. Um, like any little kid starts out like chalk in the street literally like I was in the street practicing cuz I wanted like graffiti was so hot and was like so on fire that you weren't cool unless you were a graffiti writer and I was like man I you know I want to be that cool you know and uh, and I'm on the, I'm on the street just doing my thing and an older writer that happened to be like this, in this neighborhood he was very like he was a um he was a celebrity. He was a street celebrity. His name was R.R., like the train line. His name is Rodney Reese. And um, he, he had a thing for my, my little sister that's running around here. She was really little um, when we moved back on the block, so she needed a babysitter. And my mom was a, was a, a server. was a waitress. And... Um, Rodney Reese had a thing for my babysitter, right, for my sister's babysitter. <laughs> so he would show up on Galston Avenue to meet the boys and the, the original writers that were on that block. And um, he seen what I was doing and took a liking to me. And um, was he the one that gave you your name? So he gave me my name. I'd yeah. say yes. Where yeah. does it come from? Yeah. So he gave he gave me my name. He lived he lived off in like Shore Road, and his brother used to write Cavs, K-A-V-S, hmm. and his brother Frankie was. Fifteen years old, the sixteen, and was retiring. Now it was like the retiring, like, oh, when, like when you passing were passing it yeah, on, yeah. on right? You? So Rodney, Rodney was like, "I'm going to give you my brother's name," and so he dubbed me Caves. Wow. And then, it, but for him mentoring me, he was like the Sylvester Stallone. He was that dude. That summer, I, you know, I was mentored by one of the neighborhood's. Did graders. you feel a
0: little pressure, like sort of carrying on that name? And- um.
2: I guess like, more excitement than pressure, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I was very like big mouthed and like it's, like, I thought I you know, I was a little kid but with a big mouth, and I thought like <laughs> I could live up to that. Like I, I wanted something to prove. Like yeah. I had a lot to prove because, you know, when you when you come in, like, you're going through when your own stuff at out. home, you're broken home, and your yeah. insecurities of being a little kid and being you kind of just want to be heard. You want a voice. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, I got a big voice, you yeah. know, and I got big talent, and I felt like I could like not only like take that name, but be one of the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, Take the name that and make it your own. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was it also um, seeing, you said seeing the Dondi train car, and then you got hooked
2: well, after like, that? So when you're a when you're graffiti right? like in this, na- in this neighborhood at the time, there was great masters of hand styles and bubble letters. There's even a guy older that was named Gasp69, and these guys really did their thing, but it was more this kind of bubbly um, tag style stuff and when kids in my like 6th grade or 7th grade 6th grade were well, like you're into graffiti and like you're, you're in your class and you're showing off and you're you know you're doing the Halloween art contest and so everybody knows that you're a graffiti writer because every desk is smashed because that's where <laughs> you start that's where you start to practice on every desk on, on everything yeah. on everything you probably,
0: any kind of service you can find but Thanks there was so like <laughs>
2: there was some kids that came like like knew that I, like I was into this so, there was a High Times magazine in, around this time that had Lee Quionis, like, crazy spread in it. And not only did that happen at the time, because the graffiti was really, like, catching on, um, they had that village voice um, spread called the Fire B- Down Below or something, and had Futura, seen but Dandy had this, like, full-page spread. It was, like, the first time you, like... Seen it really documented in the way where it was laid out for you. now, yes, you went on the subway and you're lucky to catch these burners at this time, but this was like boom in front of me to like study to, to study and drool over, right? And then you heard that Donny was a Brooklyn cat right away, you're like, oh, you're like, yeah, so you are Brooklyn, you know like um, and and so what I was getting, like the information and the, and the stuff that I was getting locally. When I started seeing a more like organized like like the next level with Lee and Dandy, I was like, No, this this has gotta be me and this has gotta be me now. Right. So it was like I have to get out of this neighborhood. So when I jumped on that train, I started to travel. So there's no social media, there's no internet, no mm-hmm. networking. That subway became our our way to get to those places. And then trade in styles and influences from other writers mm-hmm. and even Staten Island writers that came over on the S7 used to cross the bridge now mm-hmm. the Varizano Bridge mm-hmm. was, a, was my playground and not only was it our playground it was our BMX track it was like all of this like makeshift like Tom Sawyer shit there was mad mm-hmm. r- landscapes and real estate of walls that had pieces on them but not like the way I'm like okay we're, we're gonna do them so the S7 bus used to travel across the bridge and a lot of writers used to be on that bus and then I started doing these pieces, so I started attracting people to come into our neighborhood, and like, start like saying, "Who's like, yeah, who's who are this? These who's that?" Writers. So I, I met some writers also from Staten Island, a kid named SG, um, and Lask, and these like. So we started making this kind of network, and forming crews, and mm-hmm. and it just it just took off from there. It really did.
1: Two of your preferred artistic styles are very different. Tattoos, you're assuming permanence.
2: Right. You know, till death. Right. Right? Right. Street art, tattoo, uh, graffiti, not so much. Well, graffiti, like, back in the day when we first started, like, the perm spot was the ultimate come up, right? So, if you found a perm spot that would last and run, like, for, for let's just say, it was for a year. If the train car ran for six months, you were lucky. Yeah. If a wall ran for a year, you were lucky. If a wall ran for five, so... To me, tattooing is the ultimate perm spot. As a graffiti writer, so what's the your oldest focus, still running? The oldest piece right now.
3: Oldest piece still running right now outside.
2: Right. The crazy thing was that Harbor Harbor um, Fitness was an old movie theater. and I used to have a, a high piece there, and it lasted for you know lasted since the early '80s, and it just got buffed recently. Um, oh, that must have uh, been like, yeah, oh. like, like yeah, like that was like. Oh. I know I'm old, right? I'm like, mm. no, that's like, right. that's like, I yeah. Rev, I think the revs and caves wall right now. Isn't that well? Yeah, that's, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. I like they chased me off that rooftop when I did it. And now I, I'm welcomed with, like, free membership. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know. But Yeah, you,
3: you lost yeah. a lot of battles to win the war, right?
2: Absolutely. The battle, the battle we lost, but, but the war we we'll win. But yeah. this is what I like about
1: yeah. you, Audrey. This, this, this man isn't just about, uh, here's my work, there's your work, big up, respect you. You're about respect. Yeah. There's no two ways about that. I see that in the music. I see that in the work. And most right. importantly, I don't know if you realize this, Yours is the only name that's been on the Bowery mural wall in the city twice. Really? And you didn't paint it. Oh,
2: yes. That's huh. cool. Yeah. Tatch Crew. <laughs> right, Tatch Crew. I love Tatch Crew. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And
1: Tristan Eaton put Tristan your name Eaton. on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are two pretty unbelievable well, that, uh, crews and, and names of people that, that are writing your name.
2: I'm lucky that I'm lucky that way, right? I, I, um, I've definitely um, been doing this. Uh, it's been it's been my life paint right? your so, days so you're lucky like while you're living you'll get some sort of nod from from your peers or, or, or whoever right so and that's why we did it like to to make a difference to have a voice as Well, a I think kid. you just
3: also said you said it's been your life it's right. not just about painting it's a
2: lifestyle no it's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle and like I, how you I,
3: treat the world everything comes out of the respect from the streets
2: I mean you don't you don't take there's not a you know there's not a, a a, a brinks truck following you to the cemetery <laughs> true that, but no one uh, no one's telling you what to do right well yeah, and I've been a self-made artist and I always had a like I've always been that 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 young Brooklyn kid that that feels I have a chip on my shoulder to prove to the world that my mother meant something that my grandmother meant something that we all meant something that we weren't just here, and it ain't all about uh, tragedy and grief and drama. I try to like celebrate every struggle I have as a beautiful one, and try to take that and put it into my artwork to to maybe inspire, uplift, or or, or just as a platform to just get something off my chest, you know. And and like my buddy Revs said, like, don't worry about what everybody's else doing. Just put your put your head down and, and keep doing doing your thing. So to answer your question, I think the oldest piece I got right now is the Caves and Revs underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to try to find a new wall to paint tomorrow. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know yeah. she
3: dropped it so so smoothly, he drops in his buddy Revs. You yes. heard that, I have right? To. I have to. Such a smooth drop.
2: I, 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 have to, I have to because when we talk about being an artist, I'm a little bit jealous of Revs, right? Because we both came up together and everything else. But
3: he's kind of like legendary, mystery, like...
2: Well, that's
0: why I'm a little jealous yeah
2: of him, right?
3: like, I have, he's like, a persona that yeah.
0: he
2: has. Well, well it's like this it's like it's we we, we come from the same the same place and, and, and the same mindset, but at one point like to me having um, a family and kind of like reconnect like putting together a lot of brokenness, and I went to a different direction that when you have family and kids, you have to somewhat you have to provide for them right and so you might take a commercial job or you might take on something Well, you you, you have to right yeah and revs revs i think he's always his attitude has been that um he's all or nothing and sometimes when you're all you know you, you get the chance to really like you know it's all about the art and sometimes i feel like I wish that was part of me, but I have all this stuff that I have you responsibility have, yeah, for. Yeah,
0: to think about. And mm-hmm. like,
2: you know, he's always been a lone wolf, and 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 I respect him for it. And I, we're still very competitive with each other, but I have to give certain people respect when I when I'm doing these interviews and and. Well, and, and that's also yeah, part yeah. of the culture. Yeah. is this this yeah.
3: language of respect. Right,
2: right, right. It's 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 always been a um, a nice. Um, like, temperature gauge, right? Like, it's, if you don't have respect for somebody, then, like, like I'm not feeling you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's there has like to be this kind of, like...
0: Give and take yeah. to
2: absolutely. mutual respect. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. there's
0: so many facets to your creativity. Can we talk about your music side a little yeah, bit? And, sure. And, um, Sort of, like, even how it all started where you brought, like, Public Enemy and Big well, Daddy Kane. You did your homework. Oh, you guys yeah. did your homework. Oh, yeah. How you actually brought them to yeah. Bay Ridge. Like, how did you even know them or meet them and how did well, that
2: all start? Well, you know, so, like, fame is a big part of this graffiti thing, mm-hmm. right?
0: And there was always like a connection between hip hop and graffiti from yeah, the beginning. Music, but,
2: right? But 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 you know what's what's crazy is like in this neighborhood, it, like you think Saturday Night Fever the movie was made this neighborhood so big, but this neighborhood was really a rock and roll neighborhood. It was not this so disco. It was like heavy metal graffiti yeah. kids. It, it, right? Yeah, it was mostly like rock kids. Well not even heavy metal, it was like Hesha kids that were like into deep purple and, and Zeppelin. Yeah, like it was yeah. like Zeppelin. It was like even older, like like Me. I'm thinking my age right. thinking
3: rock. I mean I'm thinking Zeppelin right. so and Zeppelin, White like, Snake like, and
2: like, <laughs> Right. Like Deep Purple and it was yeah. like hot tuna, like even like even like like hippie type shit. Or well, like, even like
3: right? uh oh gosh, through sure, the um uh Blue Oyster cult.
2: Right, oh. so because so these kids are like like a little bit so these graffiti writers are a little bit older right so that was a big influence so the hip hop thing didn't travel here yet mm-hmm. right Howard traveled into Bay Ridge and like me and my well, brother but you were a big, big part of it yeah right? a big part of it and it was because because we had like because we were these kind of latch kick, you know key kids and we were mm-hmm. running around the city um economics played a big part of it right so um in grammar school one of my best friends was a kid named Joey Hernandez a Puerto Rican kid right and then Troy Jenkins was a black kid that was from the Fort Hamilton Army base so we were like um, you know we were a little crew like misfits (laughs) and outcasts because the neighborhood was kind of like more on like a segregated like tip it was very like you know this was this you're was more likely 80s. to hear
3: frank sinatra coming out of the windows over yeah, here than then, you would yeah. uh than wow, then you would luther vandros
2: <laughs> that's right that's right and and there was kind of like this small town kind of mentality of like there was a lot of fear right especially about like um minorities because it was more like like Shit was real in, in Brooklyn, like mm. like the early '80s. You could not walk to Park Smoke. Oh gosh, you yeah, walk I, mean, in park like slope I
3: remember Italian. the whole thing. What was in right. Howard it, Howard Beach? Italian when they Irish. had the
0: right, so, yeah. So anybody different was right. a little
2: right. So, so not so you, welcome. You had a lot of that, but because I had this graffiti community and these brothers that were like my, they were my bro- like blood brother. These were like my my crew. Mm-hmm. Their music and style and influence. Definitely had a big part on what we were doing. So when we were in the hallway, like between going bombing and filling up our markers, um, Joey was a cousin with the New York City Breakers. So he said, Yo, I got this new shit. Peep this. Boom, boom. Spin, you know, spin on his back, onto his head. And we were like, Holy shit. Break like, dancing. What the, yeah, B boy. Yeah, what yeah. is that shit? Like, and like, How we had this. Do that? Me and my brother had this little dance routine to rap as the light, but it was nothing like what this was yeah and it was like oh gosh first, I wish they had taped that, that and somewhere <laughs> and like the Delight like spread through all the boroughs even in like the Cougie neighborhoods and this that neighborhood but it was commercial it was super super commercial where that Run DMC record wasn't as commercial right mm-hmm. so when we get that record and we're like it's like that or Suck MC we, you, you start to understand that you're finding your own identity and rock and roll like when your parents said to their parents nah we're not listening to Sinatra we're listening to Janice Joplin and Jimi Hendrix this was our rebellion yes. in a way Yeah, right this was definitely that and so now like extra act, you know at the extra activity if you're not going writing graffiti or going bombing there's that downtime where you're, you're partying or whatever mm-hmm. Breakdancing was like we were like okay let's start doing this yeah. and it was a great way to like let off Just steam a, another
0: and way to express yourself like not
2: everybody's a basketball player and a baseball player and like the like the neighborhood didn't have nothing for artists there was nothing for anything other there was like the 68th Precinct had a baseball team or St. Pat's had a basketball team. And if you weren't down with that, you weren't a preppy, you weren't a diss, you then weren't you a Then you were jog. a kid in trouble. Yeah, you were a punk. You were like you were considered a greaser. Yeah, you you sing a like, crack, crack rocker? you got a wicked jump shot, right? Exactly. So we were more on the crack rock side, right? So <laughs> so we started dancing on 86th Street in front of Century 21 on the weekends. Ah. And like, <laughs> like, 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 like motherfuckers didn't know what just hit I'm them. I'm about <laughs> to say it. Right people didn't know whether to throw a bottle at us or buy us a <laughs> bottle you know what I'm saying so it was like it was that kind of thing but every weekend 200 people you know we were able to buy ourselves batteries for our radio we were able nice. to so we started becoming street celebrities through the graffiti through the break dancing and what starts to happen is like what comes with that is a notoriety and you know there's always going to be somebody that's jealous and this and that but you start, to, you know, build that name up, and mm-hmm. then you start then they, you know, you start getting hot. People start to either know who you are, Party especially nice. the police. Yeah, yeah. So the transition of getting in trouble, with graffiti, you're bound to get in trouble. I had, I was on probation. As seen would say, let me call it six month, you know, vacation <laughs> probation. <laughs> and um, I had, I had to think about how am I going to get my mother out of this little shithole apartment? How am I get my family like? How are we taking my talent, my brother's talent? What are we doing with it? Like, where are we going? Like, that John Travolta, like, you know... Saturday Night Fever. To, yeah, like, it's a real play on real-life Saturday Night Fever. It's like the Tony Manero stories, like, art imitating life, life imitating art. We needed a way to get out of here. Not saying that this Without anything, joining
3: the military.
2: Right, without, right, military yeah. or, or, right, or... You either become a police officer or a gangster. Because that's what was around here at that time. And it's like... Believe me, I got friends in both worlds. Or both. Right, or well, both. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm about to say, the police officer not too Thanks, the police officer. I'm um, about to say, yeah. So, you know, I was lucky enough, like, when I was going through this period of time, there was a nightclub in this neighborhood that there was this off-the-wall, beautiful, like, mentor. Here comes, like, a second mentor in my life. Mm-hmm. So, first it was, like, Rodney Reese, and then it was, like, Ernie Barry. Now, Ernie Barry was, like, this old accordion singing Tony Bennett motherfucker like he was Ill. <laughs> he was sharp he had like like he walked into his club and he had his night where he's playing accordion but even Ernie knew that I guess whoever was like breathing down his throat for it, the, the Shylocks or whatever like he needed to make money and he needed to know like he needed kids to come in just like I need people to come here and eat pizza like
0: need performers right Ernie was like yo entertain.
2: so I started painting like I would do anything that, like, odd jobs. I was working pizzerias, I would paint signs, I would paint canvases, I would do whatever I had to do. So a friend hooked me up and said, Ernie needs a sign painter. Because his sign pain- painter was like this drunk cat that was half in the bag half the time. He was a brilliant sign painter, but dude was never Wasn't it like. reliable. So there I was there. <laughs> and Ernie's like, paint these signs for me, Mikey, blah, blah, blah. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you whatever. I'll give you $5 or whatever. And it turned into a friendship where I watched this guy's like hustle and chutzpah and he was just like ill he was like this like Ricky Ricardo kind of cat that, that that ran this club with an artistic that's the first like artist I met like in a sense he was a musician so he had that kind of like where Bayridge didn't have this kind of way and the the, the chance encounter happened where he's like Car- Cara Lewis used to have a a, a list of entertainers and Ernie's going through that thing where he has mostly disco acts coming there. He's like, Mikey, Mikey, I need, I need, need
0: something I, different. I need
2: something yeah. different. And because I'm down with hip hop, right? And I'm this B boy, card carrying <laughs> B boy, graffiti writer. He's like, I need your celebrity here. Will you help me? need some me? fresh
0: blood. Right.
2: So on the list, you know, real quick Public Enemy, Big Daddy Kane, KRS One. I said, I have access oh, to just their, some little names. their phone numbers. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Mikey, call them up. <laughs>
1: Oh so, he gave you their He's the so, one that got you In touch with them So he got, got me Carl
2: Lewis Cara Lewis was a booking agent Wow I got her on the phone Which she then Gave me these phone numbers Because I said I was the producer <laughs> And I was 17 years old Like I was like Producing The only yeah, thing I produce Is train cars and and, and 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 murals And shit But I got on the phone With Public Enemy And that was the first Like Like when I got there Rebel Without a A A, a, a call, Rebel Without a Pause record that was really that Led Zeppelin shit for me. I was like, yo, I see the path. Like, like it's laid out for me. So I got them to come to Bay Ridge. And it was a feat to get them to come. And they were like three grand back then. It was like we had to pull our money together. Uh, Ernie gave us, you know, gave us the rain. And bringing them was... And this was like do the right thing was going. Like, next year... The next year, they do wow. do the right thing. So you could just tell you, like, the, the shit that yeah. was going yeah. on in Howard wow. Beach. Yeah. Like, yeah. it wasn't welcomed. Believe it, it wasn't welcomed. And it was like... Yeah, I'm I about to the, say, that's when all that, that right, all shit the, was going down yeah, in Howard Beach. All the shit was going down. It was like, this stuff wasn't welcomed in the neighborhood, but the kids wanted it. It's like, okay, the old grumpy fucks don't want it, but the kids want it. And that, I'm a kid, and I'm going to make it happen. And um, it's, our, it's, our, it's, it's our way out. Right, so after Public Enemy came and did what they did, I had to drive out to go meet them and pick them up, <laughs> and that was a mission too because they were out in Hempstead, 19 N, and that was it, that it, that became real real quick. But I had my Varizano Boys jacket on, like my crew was the Varizano Boys I made up from underneath the bridge, and I I was already seasoned. I'm like I already been through the ringer and back, you know what I mean, <laughs> and. They were. I was going to be intimidated, so when Chuck Dx was like, who were we, what were we, why are we, I just knew like, the, the opportunity was there to like go back home to my brother and say we had to start a rap band. Because instead of graffiti being our voice, like, well, not instead, it was like, how do we continue it to the next level? How do we take a new <laughs> medium and treat it as graffiti writers to make our mark? Mm-hmm. But now with the, with the Different microphone. Different
0: medium, yeah. yeah. So, that's so that we, was the started moment, the pretty bit. much? Yeah. Like pretty when much, you were yeah. with Public Enemy yeah. that uh, inspired Lords of Brooklyn?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> so Big Daddy Kane came after KRS-One, Bismarcky. We had a nice run there. And then eventually, the, you know, uh, shit had to close down because it's it just got too crazy. Um, but that was like, now I had like some sort of like, train map mm. to like what's next what's the next stop for us mm. so i started going and being a real pain in the ass the public enemy Yeah, for a very, <laughs> for a very long time i always i always felt like when i was a kid like if i want to be the best i got to be with the best mm-hmm. so i always Surround hung out, out with, with the best. older artists i always hung out with like older mentors that were like doing it already mm-hmm. and i would like if i had to carry their freaking luggage or if i had to like you know scale the varazano bridge for them i would and that's how i continue to move and I always again and, yeah. about respect yeah always now always. you've been
1: you've been around the world you've been on conan you know yeah. you, you you've been the headliner yeah you haven't yeah. just
2: opened up for well, bands you've been the headliner. listen i've drove in the back of the limousine i've also drove the limousine right.
1: and that's my point right that's my point right. right there so my question is with so much experience being handled right what did that teach you as a handler Today,
2: as a handler, I got
1: your your people. Your you know what what did what how when you were on the road or someone that had a little bit of a right. you a always have superiority had, yeah. over you. What did they teach you about how to handle people that needed you along the way? Well,
2: I've seen the I've seen the great I've seen the goodness and the badness. I've seen like cats that don't deserve the credibility or the fame. I've seen it, you know. I've seen it. The people that do, right? And and because I want to treat people the way that I want to be treated is always kind of like that's like your grandfather or your, your mother say so you hold the door open for that woman carry the old ladies packages up the stairs when you whenever you can be that person be it and like listen I'm like everybody else like with an ego and you know I've I've been good and bad right but I've always tried to treat people and it comes down to this this respect thing with some sort of respect And I, and I always felt like if I do that, it'll come back to me. So, I don't know I if it's... I think respect being right. an answer to a question.
1: Right. Why'd you do that? Respect. Right. I felt like it needed to be done. I felt like right. that was the right way to handle this situation based on the position that this person is in, right. and right. I am depending on them or vice versa. Right. So, you know, ha- now, this, okay, so let's, let's go to the, the tattoo business for yeah. a second. Now, you had a, a little bit of uh, a natural disaster, yeah. right, at the shop. Right, right. We had a the fire closed. next
2: door, yeah. After 10 years of being there, yeah.
1: Real shop, real Brooklyn merchandise, real focus on, you know, uh, the, the culture, your right. culture.
2: Well, well the, the, the way it is is that the one thing that I've always had, like, you don't have to have money, you just have to have imagination, right? Like, and because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mutt kid from Bay Ridge, I got, you know, I got a lot of nationalities in me, and, you know, I always felt like when it was time to, like, go on parade for that. There was never one parade that best described who we were because we come from this, this kind of Brooklyn background. And until I understood that Brooklyn was my culture, Brooklyn was my nationality, Brooklyn was my religion, like because this melting pot little neighborhood that that took care of me became more my identity. So the hence the name Lords of Brooklyn came from like when Chuck D's like Hank Shockley said who are you guys? What you know? I, I see the Verizano Boys jacket. I know that's a gang. He goes, but Public Enemy is is more for like the people, right? Like it's Public Enemy, it's a is, movement. It's a right. movement. So it was, he He said, so how are you going to put your movement together, right? So boom, mad shit rushes into my mind, and, and like the idea was, my father was like this greaser from Flatbush. My mom was this hippie chick from from Bay Ridge. Like, like Ew. I'm like, I'm like, what best? And so. My father used to turn me on to, like, all this Greaser shit as a kid. The old cars, the, the old movies. And Lords of Flatbush was one of, of those course. on the list that was, like... Let's go punch for punch. Right. So, yeah. it's, like, yeah. It's, like, Henry Winkler and Sylvester Stallone. These are all these, yeah. like, these New Yorkers that, that came through. And, and they make a, a movie. And my father's, like, no, you know, we're the original Greases from Flatbush. Pigtown was my crew. So, right away, I'm building, like, my arsenal of, like... Influence, right? So, when 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 I came back to Hank Shockley, at first I was going to call ourselves the Lords of Bay Ridge, right? And then I said, and I'm drawing it in my room, in my little like I'm drawing it. I got a sewing box full of markers, and I'm putting together like the Lords of Brooklyn idea. I said, now nah, I, I said it's bigger than this. It's it's my it's bigger as, like as Brooklyn's my borough, right. and Brooklyn is like. Going to be the flag that I that I that I hold on to, and it wasn't cool at the time. Right. There was no <laughs> fucking. It wasn't cool and hip. Uh, you tried you trying to say you like Brooklyn before it was hip to like Brooklyn? I'm going to uh, say. Uh, you can't do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say like this. I'm going to say like this. I like Brooklyn when like when when Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand yeah. was the only thing really representing Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn. All right. Right. So, um, it was something that I was like we took pride in. And we got a bunch of like-minded kids from our neighborhood that felt the same way. And we were like, let's go take, you know, let's go take it on. Let's go take on the world. Because we all came from like like family, like similar family tragedies. We all lost our mothers in the band. It was like real weird at the time. And we really like, we were mama's boys and we had like a real bone to pick. So how do you go out there um, and, and become successful? To us, it's always been about hard work. And... Sometimes you miss, you know, you, you're a pioneer, and the pioneers get the arrows, and the settlers get the land, and sometimes it's about timing. So I don't know why, you know, we don't have multi-platinum plaques on a wall, but we do, we're, we're well-respected around the world, and we do have a niche audience, and I guess your time is your time. When it comes, it comes, and like Rev says, just shut up and put in the work, right? So... It comes it comes. Yeah, back the, the
3: myth of an artist being lazy is very much largely a myth. Oh. If you want to be successful, you can't. There's no way. I
2: don't I don't see I don't see this one resting. I don't see no. any who's None of you yeah. resting. Every time I see anybody here at this table it's like you, you, there's either paintbrushes in hand, like I'm on my way to work. Yeah.
3: No, I think exactly in your you know, just because you're not working 9 to 5 doesn't no. mean you're not working 5 to, An to 5. And entrepreneur is always
2: like uh, paycheck to paycheck. You, you know, you're always afraid that your, your next paycheck will be the last one. You I know? always say,
1: I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur as so well. So it's I'm hard not to guy. take a debt.
3: Does that ever make you, do you look back now, are there any jobs you wish you hadn't taken because of that reason? That I wish I hadn't taken? That you hadn't taken. Because, I mean, if you take a job working for a corporation, it's one thing, you know who you're working for. But if you're in what they call now the gig economy, and you're just working paycheck to pay the rent, right. are there a few, I'm sure, well, any I mean, that stick out that you now think.
2: Why, I did, why did I do why that? Why did I do that? You know, I mean, listen, they definitely drive a limousine around prom season. You'd be like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here? Um, I sold ices out of my car in front of a a nightclub. I've I've done a lot of crazy shit. Like Ralph Cramden was definitely it's in my DNA. Like, that's a great idea. Let's go do do it. it. (laughs) And, you know, the pizzeria business, this restaurant business, is probably like... That's the the hardest one, probably. I think it's one of the hardest. Because there's something about uh, this kind of like everybody wants... Everybody feels like they have the right to tell you what they want and what you're doing wrong. I feel like it's it's a little bit I, I don't know if I'm getting bitter or jaded. I just feel like the yelp thing is unnecessary. You know, it's I like I completely agree with it's you. It's also what
3: some of the tightest margins of any kind of retail
2: service industry in the world. It is. Like we're trying our best. Like we're family operated and there's days that we're going to be on and days that we're going to be off, but our intent is there and I think because they, they just raise minimum wage and I get it, mm-hmm. I understand, but it's not really well thought out because the numbers aren't making sense. So it's really a dog eat dog. Listen, like,
1: you drop this restaurant in the middle of Kansas, right? They're gonna write stories about you. Right. You know what? You think right. companies are gonna be there every day packing your doors. A pizzeria in New York, you've gotta be good. Yeah, it's you tough. You gotta be good. You got a pizzeria across the
2: street. You know, there's there's, there's, yep. there's many pizzerias, right? I and mean, everybody's grandma. And everybody's very sauce. picky
3: about yeah. what they want. Yeah. No, what they're, kind they're,
2: they want. Very self-serving, like a very self-entitled kind of, like, vibe that's going on these days. Like everybody feels like they're, you know, they can go back there they're and make judged, a judge, jury, yeah, and yeah, executioner. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Christy.
0: So, we are sitting in the Firefly. Tell us about this. Wonderful establishment that you own, and you see it's very community uh, based. It's lots of families, lots of uh, Brooklyn neighbors just enjoying some pizza and some brunch. And uh, paid is outside, live paid. But
2: um,
0: I have a quote here that it says that you wanted it to feel like you're time traveling to a different era. Right. So tell us a little bit about a, just the establishment, the decor, what you were kind of trying to go with. We have this lovely uh, just atmosphere. There's jukeboxes. There's great art on the walls.
2: Well, it, it's I'm an old romantic, old soul, right? Like in a modern in a modern time. Mm-hmm. I, I think we always like when you lose when you lose a like you lose a lot. You you long for a lot, and I've always longed for to keep. Some things, like I call it, like a future classic, kind of keep it classic, bringing it into the future. And as a folklorist, as like a Brooklyn folklorist, I want certain certain things to stay. And this this restaurant was originally Lento's Pizzeria, and it was established in 1933. Oh wow! Oof. And it was known for its thin crust pizzeria or pizza. And you know, it became after that a, a sports bar. It was Yellow Hook, and it was a few. You know, when the Lento's family left, mm-hmm. a lot of people were sad, right? Um, because they're sad because their communities, like their little their that mem- like
0: chunk of history yeah, is just gone. like erased. Yeah.
2: So I'm like a purveyor of that, and and my grandparents' pictures are on the wall, my mother's pictures, like. So I'm just like dealing with a lot of old ghosts and trying to keep their memories alive, but at the same time push it into into what we are, like. Pizza, music, art. I wanted a place where creatives can come and sit in the corner and write a script or paint yeah. a painting or use this place as like an inspiration as like a movie set, right? Like yeah. And bring live music that's actually live. Like on the weekends, we have jazz artists come and play and paid out their painting. And like <laughs> I wanted to build like so an artistic an art community, community. First, I yeah. wanted to kind of help the art like because I'm from this neighborhood I'm for this neighborhood so
3: yeah pizza so is there a tradition in your family for pizza going back or is, is it something is that you sauce, came together yeah.
2: so <laughs> the sauce is our mother's sauce our grandmother's sauce and the meatballs my cousin's rice balls like we, there's like multiple influences on it but Tony from Espresso Pizzeria was a, a dear friend of mine, and I worked at all these pizzerias at one time, delivering or or <laughs> helping. And there's a little bit of the community involved in, in helping us get the menu where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every Sunday we made sauce, well, and we just said, okay, why not make it for everyone? You know, instead mm-hmm. of being stingy with it for our own house, like let's <laughs> make let's it for the whole let's community. make it for the whole neighborhood, and and like. And bring my like, like aesthetic and and and, uh, and love spreading Your flavor. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's what it was. It was it was definitely a labor of love, and you know. What, How long what, has
0: it been here? Three years. Okay.
2: Three years in November. Um, Very nice. And you know, it's like, who knows where it's going to go? And what's going to become of it? I hope my son really has a passion like I have. Um, but he's here on the, on the weekends making pizza. And, and So you said he's finishing up Culinary yeah, so Academy? Yeah, so he's... Um, so has he come in, in, and
3: my- is he already kind of itching to change anything?
2: I wish. More I like, <laughs> like, like, garlic, Dad. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I, 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 Salt, the season, I, I, where's listen, the seasoning, he's man? Been making, he's been in there making pizzas, and, like, he's really, like, he's... I'm very, very proud because he really... He has his own flair. I really want him to... like. I'm like, yo, bring that next level shit here because we need it. Um, And I just... You know, I'm hoping that this is just... I look at everything as an art installation. I'm hoping this is one that I could pass on to him. And then on to my next one. I'm moving into Industry City. He's opening up a a new tattoo studio and um, an art studio. So it's going to have where I could... My thing is always really... I'm a painter at heart like that's my first passion Mm -hmm. so I want to continue like to now push myself to paint a lot more and focus in on going after the Brooklyn Museum it's always been a childhood dream that my paintings one day would be in in there so that's something that's a goal of mine and hopefully this space Mm -hmm. will help me like step my you know paint game up to the next level what about
0: more like anything more outdoors or public murals would you be interested I'm old
2: yeah I'm, I'm that's part of my DNA so that's something that's, as, as long as I could do it I'll be doing it mm-hmm. um, I'm fortunate now that I get a lot of uh, commission work and a lot of it's outdoors a lot of it's overseas and I'm off to uh, Switzerland to do a painting for AP watches uh, for their museum there's always something you're going to wear popular. the rollie? Uh, you know what? I keep showing it to them, like, you're having me paint, you know what I mean? Like, Hi. what's up? What's up? Yeah. Like, you you know, never know.
1: A, a nice Royal Lucas payment would be nice. Look, Give me something to replace. His, this right? man
2: knows his watch. <laughs> <This man laughs>
1: knows so his
3: you watch. say tattoos. How, why, when did tattooing become part of your life?
2: So back to this whole, like, worrying about being a starving artist, right? Anytime I came off the road now, I'm a, you know, I'm a musician, I'm an artist, but there's a lot of times when the gig is up, like the tour is over, and you come back home. And like I said, I've worked all of those different jobs. And I was like, I got to work a job that I, that at least that I'm doing what I love while I'm doing it. And tattooing could be a grind, but you're doing But it pays a rent. It's a steady you, but, job. But it's yeah. your art. And, and you're a,
3: inside. You don't have to worry about the weather. You don't have to you don't worry, worry about, about cops.
2: You don't got to worry about yeah, you <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. One of
1: the things that I love that that you paint, and for our listeners, go please check out Mister K A B E S on Instagram.
2: Yeah, uh, Mister K spelled out Mister and uh, K A V S. Yeah. What yeah.
1: I love, and again, we're talking nostalgia. We're talking old school stuff. I love the brownstones. Thank you. Just that you know the color palette. The the kind of blurriness to it, the way it's not, you know, you don't hit every corner. It's like right. you're, you're channeling a memory. You're channeling, channeling oh. a feeling from when you were sitting on the stoop playing stickball yeah. or running through the Johnny Pump, you know. It's, I see your stuff. I feel Brooklyn summers. I really do.
2: I, I thank you for that because that was like, there's some of the stuff that's, that's taken from the graffiti days, right? And there's some of the stuff that's just taken from the memory and the, the, the romance and the nostalgia. And, you know, I've been doing it long enough where I, I've tried to make it my trademark, my go-to. Um, but, like, carrying on from, like, a Will Eisner and, like, people that came before me. Like, I always think I'm this special, like, snowflake. But I just come from a long line of artists and tradition and uh, Brooklyn people that, that um, you know, that, that are no-nonsense people in the sense of, like, trying to keep, keep that alive.
1: See, I, I like people that notice things about my city that I don't, th- things that I take for granted. One of my favorite things, Audrey, is um, Ellis Gallagher from Pro 17 Gallery. You know the way he does the shadows, right? Yes, yes, net, yeah, net. You know net. I know and the take, I know
2: I know the shadows. He of, does
1: the shadows from the New York City streetlights, yeah. And, and he took that around the world. But two years ago, New York City put new LED bulbs in, oh. changed the color, and now there's two bulbs, so it's like. That it's,
2: tripped me out when they changed the bulbs. It really took away that like warm yellow. Of course, it yeah, did. I it, it hate really fuck like it really fucks me <laughs> up. Yeah, because I it really agree. it made the city sterile. Instead of like this warm fuzzy place, it really made big, it like those were big
1: halogen it it, ugly yellow bulbs. It, yeah, maybe like gave the city like its a, feel.
2: Yeah, it made it, it, made, it, it made it things look. Super, I think the only problem with that sanitary.
3: was at night they couldn't tell the difference between blood and water.
2: So now the LEDs make it like an operation You can tell what it is, right. right. All
3: right. No, I remember, no, police were, police used to, they used to actually complain in cities with those halogens because that golden color, you could not tell what was
2: on the street. I I think, I think somebody hooked up (laughs) their cousin that sold LED bulbs or something. Well, (laughs) supposedly they're saving us a
3: lot of money. I mean, but you know what? At least they don't make us look orange. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the benefit that, but little things like that. I think yeah. it's
1: really important to keep the um the n- not the memory, not the not the, the feeling, the nostalgia. Right, looking back on the past and feeling happy because you're doing it. Right. that's nostalgia I think that's, that's Caves' business is right. wrapped up you, you know you, ever w- you walk into one of them you got 10 things to look at oh boy right. oh boy look at this right. look at that you need
2: to know where you came from that's to right. know where you're going that's right yeah yeah. I, I believe in that and I just you know and hopefully um, you know I keep doing it and, and keep pushing keep pushing that Brooklyn shit you know
1: well, we're we're uh, we're really appreciative of the uh, partnership. Thank you so thank, much. Thank for you for having me. Home. Thank you. And uh, you know, we can't wait to do it again next month and the month after. And uh,
2: let's yeah, let's, we're here. let's
1: put a little bit of shine on Bay Ridge. I we just have that. to be careful. It's
3: very easy to go into a food coma. Yes, yes yeah. food coma. Oh, it's
1: delicious. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, meat. I got the meat sweats just from the calzone. <laughs> so. All right. It was so good, brother. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you for you. having me.
2: We are sold out We're Mister Caves. All right.